Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please help us to trust you now, to set our minds and our thoughts upon you. Lord, may we, may we know you. Thank you that you know us. Lord, we come before you now with, with our worries, Lord, where we, where we fail to trust you. And we say, Jesus, have them and have us as you say we do. Please speak, Spirit. Speak through me. Speak to me. Speak to us. May we know that you are present. Amen. You can't sleep, you've got a headache, you're miserable, you're not hungry, and you are eating until the cows come home. You're frustrated, you're irritable, your blood pressure goes up. You are, in short, where's Fran, concerned. Or in love. Or in love. I agree, yes. Exactly. But why does love... Hopefully, hopefully you're not miserable when you've been in love for a while. But, but you can, in the early stages of love, you, you can get miserable, can't you? And a lot of that, even in the later stages, you can get miserable. <laughs> Wayne's not like us. Or his wife is incredible. Like mine. Like mine, let me hasten to add. <laughs> but you know what? Why, why is love like that? Because, because we worry. Because we worry about... Losing the one that we love. So often isn't that the case. I have to be honest with you and say that we're doing these six series on things that we struggle with. It is all very selfish of me because it's stuff that I struggle with. Um, Pam is the warrior, apparently. I'll take you on with worry, Pam. Some people worry excessively. Some people don't worry at all. Some people worry because they've got stuff to worry about. Uh, Warren Wisby, who, who wrote a, a series of, of great commentaries, said that we are constantly, continually being crucified between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. Next week we're looking at guilt and shame, which is the regrets of, of yesterday. And this week we're looking at the worries about tomorrow. Can I just have a show of hands, just on that spectrum, who here says... Uh, so? One is, I never worry. Five is, I worry every single day. Um, who is the number one? One person doesn't, I'm worried about you now. <laughs> Who's the number two? Who's the number three? Who's getting worried about putting their hand up? <laughs> Who's the number four? Who's the number four or five? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Macquarie University in 2012 did a, a survey study of Australia and they came up with the top five worries. In fact, they, they looked at all the worries, but the top five worries for men and women, uh, they're pretty similar. Uh, unsurprisingly, one of the top five worries which women have, which men don't have, is their weight. Uh, it's not a stereotype at all. But if you put men and women together, the top five worries in Australia are my future career, my achievements. The future in general. What people thought of me or think of me. Which is a big one, isn't it? Doing well at work or at school. Christians come along and, and we, we don't worry about such things. We, we're perfect. We worry about that and then we can add into the mix. Worry about, can I trust God? 
Is he there? Am I forgiven? But the, the worry that we're talking about today is not just concern. Because concern and planning and preparation is good. Jesus speaks about the birds of the air and how God feeds them, but the birds don't just sit there and wait for God to plop food in their hands. They, they have to store up food, they have to go out and they have to eat. The worry that we're talking about is that which consumes us, which runs our lives. And it makes perfect sense that when we talk about worry, we have to talk about treasure. Uh, has any, anyone watched The Hobbit? Has anyone read the book? It's a fantastic, uh, we own all of them, so if you want to borrow it, worth watching. Um, in The Hobbit, there's a dragon who comes, and he's drawn to the gold and treasure of the dwarves, and he, and he sniffs it out, and he takes it over, and he knows every single piece of treasure that is there. He is consumed by treasure. Treasure is that which directs our lives. Uh, we plan around it. We daydream around it. We work for it. We, we put in effort about it. We worry about it. Very often, treasure can literally be treasure, money, wealth. But it could be other things. It could be people. It could be status. A lot of us treasure our loved ones. As Fran was saying as well, we, we look at that and we go, this is my treasure, this is so important to me. A lot, of one a lot of us treasure our status. A lot of us treasure our high place in society. A lot of treasure is not, is not evil. It's good, but, but we make it ultimate. We make it into that which it was never meant to be. God gives us many good gifts, but they are not meant to be our treasure. They're just meant to be for us. Jesus isn't against storing up treasures. Jesus just says, okay, if you want to be a treasure storer, be wise about how you store up your treasure. You could store up your treasure here with stuff or people or possessions or status or how people think of you or whatever. Or you could store up your treasure in heaven. The first is stupid because you can't actually keep it. You know the story of the guy who, who his treasure was his wealth and so as he was on his deathbed he called in his, uh, his priest, he called in his friend and he called in his lawyer and he said I've got I've got $300,000 and I want to take it with me. This is the most important thing in my life. I'm going to split it up. Here's 100000 for you, 100000 for you. I want you to throw it in my coffin uh, when I die. And they went and he died and the funeral came and, and they all threw an envelope into the coffin. And afterwards at the wake they were going there and his friend said, Guys, I, it's tough, things are tough for me. I, I just needed $1,000. I took $1,000 out. I feel terrible. And his priest goes, ah, oh, yes, but you know, we needed some, we needed some block of land for the church, and so I took $10,000 out of that $100,000. And I feel very guilty about it now, but it's buried. And the lawyer looked at them and went, oh, you horrible people. What was his treasure that his whole life was about? Then? How could you do that? I threw a check in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Earthly treasure doesn't free us 
from worry. I mean, maybe to a degree, but ultimately, if our treasure is something here on earth, whether that is money or status or people or anything like that, or family, if our treasure is here on earth, our worry is not diminished, but heightened. Because we're always worried about losing our treasure. I picture Fran sitting at her, at her children's cots, worried about having to lose her, her treasure. I find myself going, wow, how would I survive if I lost my wife? How would I survive if I lost my status? How would I, how would I survive if I lost all these things? I don't know what your treasure is, but, but what is it that you think, how would I survive if I lost I suspect most of us have something. Do you have something? Anyone? Yeah? What sort of stuff lasts? Faith, hope and love, says, says Paul in 1 Corinthians. Knowing Jesus lasts. Introducing other people to Jesus lasts. What lasts is the stuff of God, is the relationship with God, is, is becoming like Jesus, is introducing people to Jesus, is living a life that, that matches up with Jesus' life. You know, when Jesus returns, we are going to be made brand new, and what will be the same is that which matches up already with who Jesus is. That's the kind of treasure that is worth saving, because that's the only treasure that will be useful to us. That will last. Treasure is like a magnet for our hearts. You know when you're driving along, maybe you guys don't do this, but you're turning the radio and you and you veer off. You know where, where you look, that's where you go. Jesus says that. He speaks about having a, a good eye and having a bad eye. A bad eye, it's, it's a little bit like, like macular degeneration. That's when you, your vision starts going and you get this black spot in your eye and, and, and you can't really see because there's just the darkness there. As a kid, I did not want to get glasses. I remember crying. I'm sure I wasn't the only one in that position when you were told you needed glasses because you'd be different and everyone would tease you and it'd be horrible. I treasured my status, but... But I realized when I got glasses how blind I actually was. <laughs> Making earthly treasure ultimate means that we are prone to lose sight of the treasure of knowing God. But if our eye is good, if it is set on God, then our lives can be filled with His light. You see, behind the choice of our treasure and our vision, says Jesus in verse 24, there's a more basic choice at stake. We have two options and only two options. I said to Dave I was going to mention exclusive ors today. It's a logic thing. It means you normally you go I, this or that and maybe you can have something else as well. And that's not quite what exclusive or means. Ask Dave what to define exclusive ors for you later. Only one can be true. You can either serve God 
all you can serve. Treasure. Earthly treasure. Jesus uses the word mammon. You can't serve both. Because it's not like you're employed by both. You are a slave, says Jesus, to one or the other. And ultimately, one comes out on top. Have you ever found yourself, money's a little bit tight this month. Oh, what shall we do? Oh, I know, we'll just sort of, we'll tithe next month. Ultimately, one comes out on top. This isn't a sermon about tithing, by the way. But I know that happens to me. Because what we do speaks to who our master really is. What is most important to us. Our basic choice of masters affects our attitude to both. We will focus on the one that we love and we will be anxious about the other. But you say, Nick, if I choose God as my master, then, then if I find my value and my worth and my security in heaven, in him, then who's going to take care of my needs on earth? What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? It says, Jesus, trust God to take care of you. He's got this example of the birds who God feeds and says God finds us far more valuable than birds. And, and it's not, as I said, that God force feeds them. God, God gives them the food that they need to survive. They still have to go out and look for it. And, and you go, well, how will I survive, Nick? You know what? If, if all the Christians in the world gave of their money, we could eradicate hunger in just a few years. We could eradicate poor sanitation. We could eradicate all those things. God has provided enough food for every single person on this planet. It's just a case of distribution. What about the plants that are clothed by God? It's, it's another natural process that God has ordained, but, but, but that's exactly the point. God has ordained it and God sustains it. And it only carries on because God allows it and makes it carry on. Jesus' point here is that God has given us the big things in life. God has given us life. God has given us all these things which we can confuse and think to be treasure, but, but God is the one who has given it to us. If God gives the big things, we can trust Him to give the little things. Now most of us sit here going, yeah, <laughs> I don't tend to think of breakfast as a little thing. Especially if I haven't eaten it for a week. I don't tend to think of having no clothes as a little thing. Jesus says, get your priorities straight. The big thing is you're alive. God has given you this body. One day he's going to give you a brand new body. If he can do the big stuff, he can do the little stuff. Verse 32 says this. These things, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Now, if we worry about the basics of life, if we worry even about our treasure here on earth, what we're really saying is that these things define us. 
and we're saying that we don't believe that God knows what we need, we don't believe that God cares about what we need. Isn't that what we're saying? Aren't we really saying, God, you don't get it. I need this. I won't survive without this. God, you're not pulling your weight. Jesus reduces all of life's goals down to just two things. Two options. He says either we can be preoccupied with our own survival, however we define that, or we can be preoccupied with God's kingdom and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and you will be given everything you need. That means pursuing having every part of me admitting and submitting to God's rule and telling other people about that and and wanting God's righteousness and justice, God's kingdom character in my life and in the world. And Jesus says if we trust God, we can trust him to take care of us and give us what we need. And yes, you might turn around and say to me, well Nick, what about those people who have died as martyrs, who have been starved to death? Well, yes, they have died as martyrs and starved to death and God hasn't always miraculously fed them. They suffered for Jesus' sake. That's probably the one exception to this rule. And you look at me and go, ha ha! There are Christians in Africa who are dying of starvation, Nick. It goes back to what I said. God has provided all the food and the drink that we need. We just don't like sharing it. I read somewhere that someone said God's most common way of meeting material needs is by laying those needs on the hearts and the consciences of others among his children. You know, sometimes God miraculously sends manna. Sometimes God miraculously sends his children. Leonora, you had a thing that you were sharing with us at Craft Group on <coughs> Friday about pick and pay. Do you want to do you want to tell us? Can I embarrass you? Yes, embarrassing, but yes. Um, when my daughter was about six or seven months old, I just <coughs> that morning I had no more food for her and we were like really down
And that month our name came up and she brought us that money on that day that we had no food left over. Mm -hmm. And Billy and I went to the new Pika Bay that opened up in Durban and we shopped there and the trolley was overflowing because I was standing there with a calculator, you know, we've got to buy as much as we can with this 250 rand. So everything goes on the calculator. And we thought, well, this shop, shop, shop is so cheap. And um, our cupboards were overflowing when we got home and we were so happy. The next month we went there and by the time we got to our usual money, the trolley was halfway, so it wasn't such a great shopping center anymore. <laughs> but that specific day, the Lord blessed us God can do incredible things, sometimes just with a pure, amazing miracle, sometimes with a miracle through his people. And sometimes we're like the three who went into the fiery pit who said, you know, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we trust him because he loves us and he knows us. Jesus doesn't forbid planning ahead, by the way. He doesn't forbid having concerns as long as they don't consume us. So I think that's the difference between concern and worry. A concern is something that we look about and we think about. A worry is something which consumes us and runs our lives. Bishop Ryle said, prudent provision for the future is right. Wearing, corroding, self-tormenting anxiety is wrong. Tomorrow, says Jesus in verse 34, is going to have its problems. God bless you, brothers and sisters. It's going to have its trials. It's going to have its temptations. The next hour will. But worrying about them is not going to solve them. It's just going to sap your strength from today. By all means, let's plan for the future, but let's not let our fears of it consume us. You know, if, if our, the things that we fear and we are anxious about don't happen, as a lot of the time they don't, except that we make them so because we, we think about them so much, if they never happen, we've wasted our time worrying about it. And if they do happen, we spend all that time feeling horrible about it and then it happens and we worry about it then as well. How idiotic. Who, who are the number fours and fives? <laughs> how idiotic are we? How, how stupid. Max Lucado says, meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. Worrying doesn't make common sense. <laughs> but how do I stop worrying? For those of you who are number ones, <laughs> if you worry, you die. If you don't worry, you also die. Spoken like a fantastic version of verse 34. I like it. And I'm so irritated with you for being so easily able to say that. <laughs> it doesn't, that's exactly it. You know what? We don't stay at number five. We don't stay at number one. But there is hopefully a journey to worrying less the more we trust Jesus. How do we stop worrying? Well, it's verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the king. You know that song? Yes. And his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. When I'm worried, when you're worried, we need to talk to God about it. He loves us and he has proven it. He proved it on the cross and he keeps proving it. You know what? Stories like the one that Leonora shared for us 
are communal stories for us to know that God cares for us. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Listen to this. Cast your really bad anxieties. And I, no, forget that. Cast the easy ones on Him. Cast all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. You see, to seek God's kingdom and righteousness first means handing over our worries to God. Trusting God for our basic needs. Jesus taught us to pray that. He said, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, If you've got your Bibles, just quickly, I'm I'm aware our time is running, but have a quick turn to Psalm 139. Just the last couple of verses there, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, I come before you with all that I'm feeling, with all that I'm thinking, all that is concerning me. Know it, God. Point out anything in me that offends you, and don't just leave me in my worry and my anxiety and my heart, but lead me along the path of everlasting life. Paul comes back a little bit later in in Philippians chapter 4, which is just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant passage. He says in chapter 4, Philippians verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, instead of worrying. And I love Paul because uh, I reckon Paul was a bit of a warrior. I think he got better as well. I hope he got better. Instead, says Paul, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. So think back of everything that He's done. And then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I love the fact that that His peace doesn't just guard our hearts, it guards our minds. It guards how we feel, it guards how we think. Worry has this capacity to create spiritual amnesia. When our focus is so much on the earthly treasure, and that defines us, and not on seeking God and His kingdom. We go blind. We forget all that God has done. We forget how He has proven Himself to us. And so one of the ways to deal with worry is to remember God's goodness, to thank Him. William Barclay, the, the preacher, said, those who feed their hearts on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. Worry refuses to learn the lessons of life, that we've been enabled to bear the unbearable, that we've been past the breaking point without breaking. Isn't that good? And yet how often does worry stop us from remembering that? And we go, yes, God's done that in the past, but this is now. Says Paul, says the psalmist, says Jesus Trust God, because he's proven himself. I know that there was once a time where I was going up to a global interaction uh, morning tea up in the city, and I used my last $10 worth of petrol to get up there, and I had no money at all. And I was thinking, how am I going to get home? And my father happened to be there at the same thing, and he gave me a few dollars, and I got home. That's God's goodness, isn't it? 
you're sitting here going, well, what about counselling? Is there a place for counselling? If you worry? Well, yes, there is. Absolutely. But I think a lot of what counselling is all about is to help us work through why we are worried. What it is about us. To understand ourselves. It, it, it helps us see where we are laying up our treasure. And there are helpful techniques to deal with worry, but the antidote is someone safe, is God. Do you remember when you were children and there was a thunderstorm? What do you do? I still do. What? You still do? Yeah, I, I, I was saying hop, hop to your parents' bedroom. That's a bit disturbing, Debbie. You stick a raincoat on and run out in the rain. You're a number one, aren't you? You know what? This is what you do. You go to someone safe. You go, I'm afraid. Our prayer, my prayer for you and for me, is that we would know God better and know his safe arms. You know, worry makes us suffer a lot more in this world than what has actually happened to us. Here on earth, we, we accumulate treasure. We set our eyes on it. We make it ultimate. And really, that's an attempt to still our fears, to fill the the deep, dark void inside of us. Ecclesiastes says that that's a sense of eternity. And Jesus says it can only be filled by having a good eye, unblocked by earthly treasure, focused on Jesus. It's a good practice to ask ourselves, what is most valuable in my life? Where am I spending my time? Where am I investing my emotional energy? How have I spent my treasure? If we want to overcome worry, we need to recognize how much God loves us and takes care of us. And you know what, for goodness sake, speak to God about it. He knows about it anyway. And speak to someone else about it. Try and figure out where and why this worry consumes you so much. But most importantly, continue dedicating yourself to God. Set your mind on Him. Seek him first and his kingdom. He is trustworthy. I'm going to play you a song. Uh, my apologies, it is, it is late. Um, are you up for hearing a song? Yes. This is a song called Thrive. Um, we were made to thrive.